the pulse of the Hawkesbury. Pulse 89.9. Good afternoon, everyone in the Hawkesbury. How are you? We have Susan Templeman with us. How are you today, Susan? Well, I'm relieved that there's patches of sun and occasionally we, we can avoid the rain today. I think everyone's very, very grateful for that. Mm, I think they are. It's uh, been really only a few days, but such a long, hard few days. I, I want to ask you, with your running around and what you're doing, which I know you're very busy, um, would you say that because of last year and this being so soon that um, people seem to know what they're doing and getting on their business and it's not as maybe hysterical as last time? Uh, I think people are much more prepared and alert to the things that will be useful to do. Um, I've had meetings today with the Emergency Operations Centre and um, like me, they're finding that there are not as many people uh, reaching out for help, mm. certainly not in these first couple of days. Mm. Um, they're, they're finding people are more prepared, uh, they've got more likely to have food supplies, although I think obviously in as people start, um, they've missed work so their income might be down, we're going to start to see that sort of need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by and large, the reporting that I'm getting from those who are doing the work and from what I'm seeing myself in the office and the requests we're getting, it is much a much calmer process. Look, I think it helps that the... Um, the river has stabilised and is starting to recede in some areas, although there are others that are still um, yeah. just getting their high tide now, their high level now. Yeah. Um, but I think we're all very aware that there's still potentially some bad weather Sunday, Monday, mm. and I feel like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern mm. for the moment. Mm. It's it is like that, isn't it? It's um, that sort of, what is it, the lull before the storm or something, that sort of thing. But if that uh, weather that's coming across Australia now actually misses us, then we'll be in a very good position because we should be looking at bridges opening and getting back to that point and now cleaning up. Look, I will, I'll, I'm happy to hope, but I don't want to speculate because uh, the briefings that I have had um, indicate that if it comes, it may be severe, but it is such a wait-and-see game mm. uh, that I don't want to give anyone false hope around what happens. Mm. Um, what I do think we should be doing is using this time that we've got to either be better prepared for uh, the possibility of more weather yeah. um, and also just actually... People lost a lot of sleep and it's a chance just to get ready in That's case. Right. And with a bit of luck, uh, you know, we we might not experience the same, you know, any extra river rising. But mm. uh, it's, yeah, real wait and see. Hard stuff, really hard. If you're sitting there going, oh, I hope this is okay because I want to start the clean-up. I can see the water receding. It really, in some ways, makes it a, a very challenging time. Oh, totally. And the thing is on, what was it? Was it Thursday or Wednesday? Thursday, I think, could have been that where we actually expected that cell to come in from the east coast. And and I was talking to David from the SES and I said to him, the wind is actually blowing it up. So... Hopefully, it will go that way, and we did miss it. So, yeah. we can hope this happens again with what's coming across now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, fingers crossed. And and I think the longer the 
isolation that people are experiencing. Mm. And remember, many people are without power now. Yeah. Uh, Endeavour Energy has turned off the power. Um, they've identified safety reasons yeah. to around 650 households. Now, that makes things very challenging. It does. Uh, and that means, you know, keeping food fresh. So, mm. so we start to get into a more complicated phase. Mm. Uh, and having met for quite a long time with various people in the emergency operations centre, they're very mindful of um, what people are experiencing. I think the real message is, though, if people are starting to feel worried about um, food supplies because they're isolated, mm. um, they really need to reach out to the SES. Yeah. Um, that is the place to go to say, my animal feed is low, yeah. uh, my food supply is down, mm. uh, and just and or if you're running out of fuel for your generator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, what are the areas so that are people without? People shouldn't hesitate. Yeah. What's the areas uh, look, without electricity? It's a really wide area. Um, mm-hmm. I've spoken to someone in the on the Richmond Lowlands without okay. electricity. Yeah. Yeah. There's people up as in Sackville, Lower Portland. Yeah. I yeah. understand. So it r- spread yeah. right along the river. Mm. So would that mean they'd cut the gas? Because I think they do that sometimes too, don't they? Look, I can't tell you that. Okay. Um, but anything that depends on uh, most, I, I would have thought a lot of people might have bottled gas. But yeah. remember, if you don't have power, you're not, and you're on, you're you're not on mains water. Yeah. You're not flushing your toilet. That's so right. There's lots and lots of complications. Yeah. If people feel that that has made their um, position at home um, just too challenging, then again, yeah. they really need to make contact yeah. before things become dire with yeah. the SES. Yeah. Okay, so that's a really good thing to get out there so that everyone that's in those areas that are affected and considering we could be having another onslaught of rain really need to get in touch with the SES and put their hand up now and ask for help, not be too proud or anything. It, it is. Look, it's much better to do it on a day where there's patches of sun than yeah. in the middle of the pouring rain. Mm. Um, I was speaking uh, with the police around the rescues. They they People have been incredible and got out early mm. uh, or been better equipped. So there haven't been needed to be as many of those boat operations that we mm. saw in I the see. last flood. Mm. Uh, and, of course, to date, the, um, they've been able to keep those line of road open, although mm. the landslide is certainly challenging and we just we know and, and the ops centre knows what a priority it is. Mm. to keep that open. Mm. Um, but I am getting reports from some of the smaller supermarkets that supplies aren't there and we're mm. um, looking to see what's going on there and, and what we can do to make sure that mm. the suppliers are aware they can still get access. Mm. And I think I heard from uh, one of our uh, presenters actually works in Coles. I think he's manager there in North Richmond. And he said they were getting in stuff preparing for what was happening. So um, I'm sure they've gone through it now, but it's good to see that everyone's so focused on this point of getting, keeping supplies, keeping food and all the necessary things, medication over there. We saw um, what a crisis it became uh, last time when mm. all roads were cut off and yeah. no one wants to see that repeated and yeah. I think there's been um, terrific preparatory work at the supermarket level, at the supplier level. Mm. Uh, all the agencies involved um, have uh, have considered that and planned a lot better. But as I say, it does depend on 
road access being mm. maintained. Mm. Well, we'll hope that uh, we can keep that access going up the Bellsline Road and uh, a big thank you out to all the volunteers that are jumping up and putting their hand up and getting in and helping too. Yeah, look, I think what happens, what what I am anticipating and we're starting to see, I think, that is after a few days, if people aren't able to work, and remember a lot of people on both sides of the river, quite frankly, are not able to work, mm. for those who are casual or um you know, don't have any holiday pay or sick leave or an employer who will keep paying them uh, while they have the time at home or who aren't able to work from home, you're actually going to be seeing a whole bunch of people whose income has dried up. Yep. And that that becomes a real challenge. And that's where government assistance is really crucial. Now, unfortunately, we have not yet been declared a disaster area uh. by the New South Wales Minister. Uh, I was talking about this to ministers' offices yesterday. I understand that yesterday, late yesterday, the paperwork to declare the Hawkesbury a disaster area was on the state minister's desk. Um, that has to be signed before Commonwealth assistance can be activated. Right. So people will be eligible for um, various sorts of support, mm. um, $1,000 per adult and 400 per child for those who've been directly impacted by the mm. flood mm. and then of course there's a income assistance for people who have loss of work mm. and that can go for for a number of weeks mm. but you're not even able to apply for that until we're declared a disaster a natural disaster mm. so i have again um followed up with the minister's office urging them to uh you know get that that signed. stuff signed the federal government tells me it's still not delivered by the state government. Uh, we really need to see that because the last thing we need is people are isolated but they don't need to have yeah. um, a financial trauma on top no. of it. Uh, so we need to get that fixed. And though at this point, the state government hasn't moved fast on it. So um, who I think is it actually have sitting yesterday. on it? Who's sitting on That's it? The, that is, I, my understanding is it's the um, emergency services minister. Right. Uh, at a state level, who looks after that? Right. Uh, that and that's who we've certainly been, um, yep. yeah, urging to do it. Yeah. So obviously, if there's nothing that's happened today either. Uh, not to date. I, I'm sure I'm going to be advised as soon as it does. I'm yep. in constant contact with. I mean, I mean, what has been terrific this time is there has been excellent briefings provided by the state minister and at a federal level, mm. bringing together all the agencies so uh, we can get a clear picture. In at a state level, it's been we've been able to have a very Hawkesbury specific or um, Hawkesbury Nepean specific mm. briefing. Mm. So a number of my colleagues were able to get the picture of what's happening down in the southern part of mm. the Nepean and and including what's happening up here. Mm. At a federal level, we've had a whole of an eastern seaboard briefing. And again, mm. it's, I, I really, you know, I want to pay tribute where it's due um, yeah. that we are seeing a very, um, a much better approach to information in the flood. Last time, um, there was no, uh, no organising of briefings mm. for uh, MP, federal yeah. MPs at a state level. Well, certainly none that I was invited to or, yeah. or offered. Mm. Um, so I really commend um, both the ministers, uh, yep. that's Bridget McKenzie at a federal level yep. and um, uh, the state minister as well on that. Yeah, 
Okay, well, that's good. Well, I suppose what we're going to do is we're going to hold ourselves tight on the fact of these documents being signed so that we can have a disaster um, be called as a disaster so that these payments can get off to families. That's right, yeah. Uh, I, I have been in the evacuation centre on this side of the, of the river and there are people who now will have been um, away from their homes since Wednesday night. So, yeah. uh, you know, most people can possibly cope with a couple of nights and there's mm. emergency payments to cover it. It just, mm. they are now going to have to um, go back to the uh, welfare, disaster welfare people at a New South Wales level and get help to be able to stay longer where they are. One of the good things that's happened this time is that because we have so few tourists in this country at the moment. Yeah. There is hotel accommodation for mm. short-term accommodation. Mm. Uh, but one of the challenges that the recovery services are already very mindful of mm. is that rentals are so scarce. Yes. Uh, and that, that longer-term accommodation for people whose homes are not habitable yeah. might be a real challenge. So they're turning their minds to how that can happen. Mm. Uh, you know, how can we accommodate people in a, you know, sometimes it's going to be for quite some months mm. when rentals are at such a premium. So these are the sorts of issues people are already turning their minds to. Good. And I'm really pleased to see uh, what looks like very good collaboration between services at a local area to make sure the transition from emergency operation to recovery happens in a perhaps a more seamless way than it might have in the past. Mm. And I, hopefully from what happened last year, there has been so much learned and not forgotten because it was so soon, you know, it was just yesterday sort yeah. of thing. I think you're exactly right. That, as awful as it is, the, the positive out of having two floods within 12 months mm. uh, means that there's a lot of things already in place. Mm. Interestingly, on there's some things that are being announced that would have been announced, I guess, in the in the one year anniversary. Things that I might have liked to have seen sooner, yeah. for instance, uh, a process for riverbank remediation. Um, that has they've just come out that people can um, start to uh, I'm told access it, and I've shared that with a few people today. Uh, but you know that's. I think that should have happened months ago. Um, but here it is. It might be people not looking for it for the last flood, but needing to use it for both floods or maybe for the first time they've been hit badly with this one. We mm. just have to wait and see what the situation with riverbanks is when the water recedes. Mm. Yeah, see what they're like. I just said yeah. we'll see what the banks are like when it's all receded yeah. and what we're left with in a clean-up. But yep. um, it Absolutely. is good that everything is working nicely, which is good. And uh, I suppose really from this we've got to hope that we get this disaster thing signed off and open up the doorway to some sort of funding for these people and uh, hope that we don't have another onslaught of rain. No, I think it's all going to depend on the weather. Mm. And there's not a lot any of us can do about that except to, to be really prepared. I've been speaking to people today who say the ground, they're already starting to see it dry out. Mm. So what it might mean is that those who are um, experienced the flooding of their land and their grounds, not from the river but mm. from the rain on Wednesday, mm. uh, 
you know, when the rain hit that ground, it was so saturated. I could see the runoff. It was happening before your very eyes. Yeah. And that running water was running towards the river, not mm. from the river. Mm. Um, but with a bit of luck, there'll be some drying out of that. So, hey, look, you know, weird times, but all of those things will help. And uh, you, you can't help but be impressed by how people really look on the on the bright side and are grateful for those small mercies that we mm. see. Mm. I think it's excellent. I've, I've said this time and time again to whoever I've spoken to through this flood that it's the community spirit, not just here but everywhere else. It's just wonderful. Yeah, you you see this in disasters. Mm. Um, we all think that it's particularly in areas like this that have experienced over generations disaster mm. after mm. disaster. It's not like the flooding is a new thing. No. Um, you know, and we face bushfires as well. And we yeah. have demonstrated time and time again, you know, this idea of resilience as in being able to recover and bounce back from things. Mm. Um, but I think everyone's been put to the test given that we've had fires and a couple of floods plus COVID all in one go. Mm. And in fact, one of the really important things will be the emotional support that's available. Yes. And again, what we've got in our favour is because we have been so disaster hit, there are much better resources and community connection mm. people uh, who are employed. For instance, there's funding that's gone to council to employ people to do outreach. And so... Mm. Uh, the existing services will be able to be used. Uh, it's not like we have to reinvent the wheel again. So, no. uh, and and one of those pluses that that I think we're going to see other communities have that too, particularly up in the Lismore area. Oh, yeah. um, but but of course, every community is different. And let I, I'm just kind of going. Let's see where we get. Let's see where we land on Monday or Tuesday to know yeah. how things are. Yeah. But realistically, there I had a briefing. Oh, this briefing might have been yesterday, and I'm going to lose my track of time. Mm. Uh, but I did ask the question of one of the very senior Bureau of Meteorology people who was painting a picture of the rain that is anticipated over the coming days, and I said, okay, just realistically, when can we expect to see the sun? And he was unwilling yesterday to put to, um, you know, really give a day. Yeah. He, I don't think he at all expected that we would have seen some today. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as much as we, we rely on that um, prediction mm. from the Bureau of Meteorology, we love it when they get it wrong oh. in this sort of situation. Yes, this one we do. I mean, the thing is that they're, they're, we're all trying to predict what Mother Nature's going to do, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Um, and I think everyone will tell you this flood has been different to the last. Mm. Uh, every flood is different. Mm. Um, and I think that's why you can't have hard and fast rules around um, you know, how, how you prepare and respond to it. You've got to have a number of things in place to take into account the variety of issues that impact on where the water where the water goes and how it how it flows. Mm. I mean, for instance, on on Wednesday, I was just watching runoff, as I say, from nothing to do with the river. It wasn't coming from the river; it mm. was heading towards the river, mm. just because of the quantity of of rain. Mm. Um, and and so we're also I'm very aware, based on the briefings I've had, we're going to see some people who were hit last time and who've been hit again this time. 
for some of them it may be as bad, for others it might not be quite as serious but still exceptionally damaging. Um, and then there'll be others who we know, for instance, McGrath Hill has not had the same sort of impacts this time as mm. it did last time. Uh, but there'll be other areas that weren't affected last time that have suffered this time. So mm. it, um, if I, no two bushfires are the same, no two floods are the same. No, the, the pathway of the flood is sort of there, but it could go out in different ways depending on where that flow of water is coming from and that's where it changes. You know, interestingly, when you look at the fact that people lost their houses last time and they were cleaning up, and I know that we've touched on this very briefly, uh, Scott and I did with you, um, but the cost of insurance is right. Now, some people can't even afford insurance. Like, I, uh, I can't work it out, Susan. How can they rebuild knowing that this could happen again? It's, it, there has to be something done about this insurance. Yeah, look, I'm I'm very keen to have a serious discussion. We've started the discussion with the insurance industry and yeah. some local residents in, in the Hawkesbury, but I'm very keen to see a serious discussion that involves the federal government uh, about what, what are some reasonable packages. Um, so we know that a bunch of people who got flooded last time have, have built back better mm. and they what they they want to know is why can't their efforts be rewarded in an insurance policy yes. because they know they're still going to have to have out of pocket costs for some damage yeah. but it's nowhere near what they faced last time for instance yeah. um, and so I think I would be really hopeful that the insurance industry which is the best assessor of risk yeah. uh, and because it's the one who pays out yeah uh, that we can we can have these nuanced discussions about what is possible mm. and what isn't. Mm. You know, ultimately, our ability to um, be able to build back it depends on, it's either going to be, there'll be an expectation of taxpayers funding it, but I know people would much rather be self-sufficient mm. and they would much rather be able to have some level of insurance to replace their gyp rock and the like. Mm. Uh, rather than take a government handout. That's just how the majority of people are, quite mm. frankly. They'd really much rather be self-sufficient and mm. do it themselves. Mm. It, um, and I, that's what Hawkesbury people are telling me they want, and that's certainly what I'm going to keep working yeah. uh, towards to, to see if we can get to an agreement um, and, and at least trial something. Yeah. It, it's an interesting sort of um, situation to be in for them because – like when you look at it, we have got so much growth in population and we're having to spread out and we're having to build and development companies build and, you know, it, it's happening everywhere. Down in Jordan Springs, I think half of it or part of it sunk and they had to rebuild houses. Um, I don't know the logistics around that, why it happened, um, but I, I look at it and I think when people are building in these areas that are flooded and a lot of people... Well, I've seen on Facebook and other comments that, well, if you build in a flood area, what do you expect? But that's not really fair because we don't have a lot of choice of where these buildings are being built. And mm. maybe this sort of thing of building in areas that are flood affected has to come back to what infrastructure are being put in place and that infrastructure being insurance. Yeah, 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 that's right. It is, that is a piece of infrastructure that we need. 
Yeah, look, yeah. there's a lot to do, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot that we discuss in coming days. It'll be and, interesting. You know, it's, it's really good to be able to air these sorts mm. of issues. But let's see what the weekend brings. Yep, yep, for sure. Anyway, look, thank mm. you very much. I'll let you go. I know you're busy, and um, uh, you know, have us. We'll try to have a rest sometime. Look, it's a privilege being able to be there for people, mm. you know, as best we can. Um, so, and I'll just keep, if anyone needs anything, I can't guarantee that we will have a quick fix, but we will certainly try to link you in with someone who can help. Uh, and we'll, we'll let people know as soon as the emergency declaration happens so that mm. people can access funds. I think, Susan, sometimes people being able to talk to people just relieves them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just that friendly Indeed. Yeah. Makes, okay. Makes a big difference. All right. It does. Lovely to speak with you. All right. You take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And, of course, that was Susan Templeman talking to us on Pulse FM uh, regarding what's going on uh, with the meetings that she's been in, hoping that we get this, well, we get named as a disaster area so we can get these payments released to everyone uh, that is in a situation of no money coming in. So let's keep keep an ear out for that one. We'll see what's happening. And, of course, we'll let you know as soon as we hear any information here as well. You've got Catherine Jean on Pulse FM. Let's get on with a little bit of music and, uh, I don't know, let's, let's see, what's this one? This is the new kid on the block. Ah, new kid on the block. Pulse FM, Catherine Jean. The Pulse of the Hawkesbury. Pulse 89.9. 89.